0: Welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast, I'm Andrew Musgrove, today joined by Chris Swaff and the return of Mark Douglas, who hasn't been on uh, I think his Black and White
1: podcast for quite a few weeks. I imagine listeners have been enjoying it then. Well I
0: think I have gone up over this (laughs) so we'll we'll see how this one goes, welcome back Mark. Um, Not the most exciting game on Saturday against Cardiff. I think that's an understatement. But But lots of talking (laughs) points, We'll, we'll start where where everyone probably imagine we would start is on kennedy obviously very lucky to escape any uh, action taken
1: by the fa following his kick on the uh, the carter midfielder yeah it was one of those games for kennedy where everything went wrong um actually first five 10 minutes, i thought he started quite brightly he got that shot away with his right foot from the edge of the area and he thought he could do he could have been for a good game here but what frustrated me was he was up against centre-back at full-back and he kept on cutting inside kept on giving the ball away we know he's the first player in eight years or whatever it was to not complete a pass in the first half mm-hmm. and then there was I think that frustration grew And when Newcastle couldn't get in the game and his brainless kick out on Camarasa, so I, knew, I know he'd been fouled, but it, it was brainless and he's, he's a lucky boy he's fortunate that he didn't uh, get retrospective action for it because the referee saw, said he saw it so that the FA couldn't take any retrospective action Anyway, he would only have missed, really, because he can't play this weekend anyway against Chelsea, which would have counted towards his, his ban, even though he's uh, not available because it's against his parent club. He wouldn't then have played against Nottingham Forest, and then he would really have only missed the Man City game. So he isn't missing too many matches, but it's good that he hasn't got that disciplinary record against him. And maybe it's it's good for him to have next weekend out of the spotlight because, obviously, was the penalty miss at the end, which credit to him because he stood up and said he wanted the ball, he demanded to take it which I think is a positive for him that's what he does so well in this team he is the, the player who demands possession and shows confidence and self-belief on the ball but Saturday just wasn't a good afternoon for him at all and I think that it, it, although even Newcastle will miss him to a large degree on Sunday I think maybe he just needs a week or two to recharge the batteries and just reflect going forward to that Man City game and It's not the first time that Kenny has kicked out there was a few
0: instances last season at Newcastle where he's quite lucky to escape either a red card or you know action afterwards. Shelby used to be in the same boat. He's controlled that now. He's on football focus Was talking about how he's seen a psychologist and I don't think he's been booked since his send off against Everton. Do you think Kennedy needs to follow the same approach, or is Kennedy of just a, a flair player and that is just part of his game and will take the bad with, with the good? Well, I think the
2: reason that Kennedy's at Newcastle rather than at Chelsea is because of that side of his game that he, he doesn't, you know. I've already seen last season when he was in China and he tweeted what he did. Maybe emotionally, um, you know, he needs to mature a little bit. He needs to be a bit more professional, um, I think, on the pitch. I think off the pitch, he's been absolutely fantastic by all accounts, is not he? I think Rafa will tell you that he's really focused. He's, uh, He's got his head down. You know, I, I, I don't really buy this idea that when some people talk about you can't take the edge off a player. Uh, you take the edge off a player, sorry, if he, if he gets rid of that element. I mean, it's just reckless, isn't it? And, know he really did endanger his team going down to 10 men would have been a big problem at Cardiff as you saw he already had Hayden going off and it did affect the game probably a positive way for Newcastle ironically Um, but I I think he has to he has to rectify that part because he won't fulfill the other side of it And, and that's been the problem with Shelby I mean Shelby didn't go to the World Cup solely because of that side of the game and it takes a lot to live it to live that reputation down and I think the problem for Kennedy is that he will. a lot of people will not have seen much of what he did last season, but they'll have seen that on Saturday because it was the first game of the weekend. A lot of people watch it. I saw um, a lot of Chelsea fans tweeting that, you know, we don't want him back. We don't want him back and he wouldn't be able to do it. So he needs to, if he wants, he's probably good enough to play at Champions League level, you know, go into a team, one of the leading teams in Europe in terms of his talent and ability, and his bravery on the ball, but that other side of it is going to hold him back. You know, I actually think it may not be the worst thing for Newcastle that he has had a bit of a reminder early on in the season because he's probably a player who needs to be kept on his toes a little bit. And I wonder whether he was really good in the first game. People forget that. But maybe this was a little bit like, oh, well, it's Cardiff. You know, the first game was against Spurs. It was on TV. The stage was there for him. You know, maybe he, he went into the Cardiff game and maybe a few of them actually went into the Cardiff game underestimating Cardiff a little bit. I think Kennedy did. He thought, well, I can do my tricks, I can do my little bits bits and pieces against this team because they're a championship team. Actually, you know, you have to be focused for 100% of the time in the Premier League because, you know, you'll get, you'll get your backside handed to you. That's what Newcastle did to other teams last season. Um, and, you know, if they don't heed that message this season, then the same thing will happen to them this year. They should have won that game on Saturday. You know, that is a massive missed two points for Newcastle United. Um, and it may be in the course of the first six or seven games, and they come back, that would have taken so much pressure off them to win that game.
1: More of a concern for me than the, the disciplinary issues, although I do think it was stupid on Saturday and he needs to cut that out, is ever since he's been at Newcastle, I think he's been excellent at St James's Park, but I was thinking about this the other day and I went through it, apart from about a 20-minute period at Leicester, I don't think he's ever really done it away from home, and because he's so vital to Newcastle in attack, I don't think it's any coincidence that Newcastle's away record during that time other than the couple of wins in between it hasn't been great. I think they've lost the last four or five on the road and I think that he needs to he needs to to really find his place in that team away from home they're so reliant on the creativity he brings the pace the tricks and he just seems to, to, to drift in and out and games away from home he he gets frustrated I think that the way Newcastle set up which is quite rigid I think that frustrates him me, but he needs to find a way to integrate himself into that and, and I think that Benitez almost foreshadowed that in pre-season when we asked him about him, when he came back he said very excited, great to have him back, but he needs to kick on a level. And I think He scored two goals and he provided two assists in the 12 or 13 games he was here last season, but those statistics need to improve and they need to start improving away from home because Newcastle are going to need to pick up points on the road, particularly against teams like Cardiff, more than just the odd point if, if they are going to ensure they're away from that relegation zone.
0: Mark, reference to
1: Isaac Hayden's dismissal.
0: It was a bad challenge. Some say it should be a booking, but... You know, we well, we'll say we've seen. Given we did see it, given as a red card, big opportunity for him to to really, you know, impress on Saturday. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere despite his requests. But you know,
1: that wouldn't have not have impressed Benitez. No, well, it was telling in Benitez's post-match press conference when he was asked about Hayden, and he was asked, is the fact that he he wants to go away. As Benitez said on Friday, he even admitted that Hayden isn't happy with the situation. On Saturday after the game, he said. I don't know. Maybe that did affect him. So that tells you all oh, you need to know that Benitez has his doubts about whether Hayden's mind is really in it. He was left out of the first team squad in the first game. Um, he's back in over the weekend. And actually, thought the first uh, the first twenty minutes. Obviously, he was only on for about twenty minutes. But first, when he first came on, he made a bit more of an impact. Cause I thought he was he was better than Hossley. But you could uh, but then Manquillo. Sorry, and you could see it's <laughs> <Please>, come, <laughs> come on, on. sorry, a Friday and slip there, but. Uh, you could see he was, he was better than Mankiw, he was more disciplined in what he was trying to do, but he also went in with a few heavy challenges, and I just wonder if the message at halftime was, make sure you rough up Josh Murphy a little bit, he's getting a little bit of uh, on top of us here, and I'm, I just wonder if he took that a little bit too far. I don't think it was an awful challenge, but it was a silly one, and it was a one that you can't argue by the letter of the law, it was a red card. Harry I should have gone later on. Kennedy should have been set off in the first half, and I think that all that was the first, the Kennedy incident was probably playing in the referee's mind. And I don't think you can really argue with the fact it was a red card. I
2: feel a bit for Hayden though, because although you know it, he's a professional footballer, so you should expect professional footballers to be able to come on and play in any position. He's not a right back. No. You know, Newcastle bad. United have full backs who weren't in the matchday squad. I mean, Jamie Sterry played last night. You know, Akraf Lazar's missing an action. They have players who can play there. But Rafa decided not to pick them, not to take them. And to me, you know, look, I think at the end of the day, Rafa sees these players in training, he knows what they're about. But it it seemed to me a little bit as if, you know, putting Hayden on a right back. He, I've never seen him play at right back for Newcastle United. He has played a right back before. He has
1: played. he's played a right back for Newcastle before as well. But
2: in the championship, and yeah, not and it's, it's a, not his position. But not he being has brought played been brought there on there at half time against probably the most outstanding player in the match. I just felt it was. I understand what you're saying about you know he has played there before, but it's not his position. Um, you know they've got specialist right backs, but they don't seem to want to play them. And I felt a bit for Hayden because it was it's difficult coming on in that in that in that kind of environment. You know, Mankiho was torn apart the whole game. You know, they were obviously, they'd obviously targeted the right side of Newcastle's defence as the weakness. And it just struck me as like for somebody who normally is tactically absolutely flawless that I think Rafa got that one wrong. And it felt like, you know, were they, I mean, they kept having problems down the the right-hand side. And ironically, when they had the man sent off and they changed the shape, then it was. Then they were much better. And actually, funnily enough, it was it was Jacob Murphy coming on, wasn't it? That changed the way that Newcastle played. And they seemed to have a lot more joy after that. And I just don't know whether maybe Hayden was the right call at that point. If he if he was unsure about his mentality, why bring him on? Because you know, I think the Hayden would have been sold if Newcastle had done things right in the transfer window. And I feel for Rafa because you know Rafa's probably sat there and and it's not a criticism of Benitez that because. He, he, he saw a long time ago I think you wrote me a piece on Sunday he saw a long time ago these problems coming you know, this is a guy Rafa who still remembers the very first game that he managed where he was told the wrong amount of substitutes that he could have at Real Madrid B wasn't it and, and he still remembers that he still thinks that that's why they drew the game rather than won it he will be sitting there thinking well I told them I told the hierarchy that we need these fullbacks. we need the academy to be sorted out so that I might have a player who I could promote on so it is a longer term problem but I do think that Hayden you know they had a big problem at right on the right side on Saturday, and the, the decision to bring Hayden on exacerbated it because they just he just didn't look. He never looked comfortable at any point. I know he, what you said, but he. I mean, he, it was about four fouls before. Yeah, well, I after mean, before. I don't
1: know this, but it just seemed well, to me as if there was a message to him when he came on that you need to to put to, to just put him on the floor because he's getting too much joy here, and it didn't it didn't work. And I agree, it was it is strange when you've got other fullback to that position I spoke to someone the other day who suggested that possibly a better move would have been to bring on Jacob Murphy at half time because yeah. what better motivation do you need than playing opposite your brother again he's not, a, he's not a fullback but the options he had there Pace against Pace is probably the best option Hayden isn't necessarily blessed with that I have to be honest I just saw in general Newcastle's approach to the game wasn't right I understood the need to match Cardiff to a certain extent physically but I think Newcastle did it too much the, the pest period Newcastle had was the first 15 minutes when they tried to play a bit of football they got in behind after that they got dragged into what was essentially a, a, a scrap long balls they kept on just pumping the ball forward to no one or towards Hostelou and Perez and I just saw that it was a little bit too negative I thought that the, the, and the, the red card didn't help because I think he maybe would have changed in the last 20-25 minutes and he couldn't obviously bring on Rondon he brought on Muto to give them a bit, a bit of pace um, but I just saw the approach wasn't quite right, and I, I think it'll, I think you'll see a changed approach on Sunday against Chelsea.
0: Why isn't Jamie Sterry getting? No, why wasn't Jamie Sterry brought in? Do you think on Saturday it was just he hasn't seen enough of him in, in training, or?
1: What? Well, I mean, I asked him about Jamie Sterry on Friday because of the fact that DeAndre Edlin, although he was, he's probably going to be fit for this weekend, could have been out for a long period. Could Jamie Sterry now? Not go on loan because Pinier said the week before, and he said no, Sterry will still go on loan, Roland Aaron still needs to go on loan as well. It is a strange one because Sterry himself, you were at the game last night for the under 23s by all accounts, you say, brilliant, and it seems a lot of people thought the same. He said in an interview with the club's website that he wants a chance, he felt disappointed he wasn't in the squad for Cardiff. Just seems Rafa doesn't quite fancy him or doesn't quite trust him yet and thinks he needs. More first team football. I think it's quite a strange decision because I think the fact that he is a natural fullback, even if it is there as cover, the the opposite end you could argue he's at period He's twenty two now. He needs to be playing football regularly somewhere else. But the fact that they are so so short, I don't see why you wouldn't necessarily keep until January. Is it in that case that when Benitez doesn't fancy someone we've seen it before, we've maybe we've seen
0: it with Lazar. That it takes a lot for you to change Benitez's mind for him to say, right? you can change his mind." In. I don't think you can change his mind. Like I've not seen him.
2: I've not seen one player prove him prove him wrong. I mean, he just makes that decision. He's a very, very um, hard man. Actually, you know, he's a lo- he's a lovely guy. You know, and, and really engaging company. And, and you know, we've seen the kind of you know the, the romantic side of him, if you will. That, that you know the, what he thinks about the Newcastle projects and stuff, but. I can't think of a player
1: who's changed his mind can you? No I can't think of someone. Well. He's, he's ruthless when he's, he he's someone who he wants something very specific from a player and if he mm. doesn't think they're going to give him it then he he, he had it with Mbemba, where Mbemba he didn't think he could trust and that was never going to change it was the same with Mitrovic no matter how many ta- goals Mitrovic scored on Lord of Fulham it wasn't going to change his mind mm. because he has he has he's setting his ways to a certain extent. So it's quite a few now, when you
2: think about it. Like Jack Colback's obviously one. Mitrovic is one. I think now we've got Rob Elliot in the squad who is just never going to play. I don't think because he's just made a mind, made his mind up about a player, and he can't do this for me. So he can go. Tim Cruel's another. I mean, you know, we, we we love Rafa around these around this table, but Tim Krul's quotes about what what happened with Rafa were, you know, if it was another manager, they would have been they would have been brought up. I think it's. It's difficult, Adam Armstrong never ever bought Adam Armstrong to be, he never wanted Adam Armstrong, um, never wanted a part of him, which, you know, considering Armstrong as an under-21 England international, you thought he might have got one or two more chances, but just didn't fancy him at all. And I think that's why you see Jocely starting games, because he thinks that Jocely can do a job for him at some point, and that's why, when he said he wanted Rondon, there was such a frustration on Rafa's part that they wouldn't go out and get Ronald because he's saying, look, I know this player can do exactly what I need him to do. He's got a good mentality. And I think it's that mix of you know good mentality but also being able to listen to instructions um, that Rafa wants. He, some of the players he's signed, he's decided, actually, they're not the man for me. Akraf Lazar's a great example. Lazar's a left-back. He's been wanting a left-back all summer, but he will not. Bring Lazar back into the team. There's no way that Lazar will come back in unless they basically get to the point where they. Well, I mean, he's not in the Premier League squad. He could,
1: he could play in the Carabao Cup, but I don't think he's going to be in the Premier League. Well, League. I think the prime example he's, he's, for me. He's not even
2: in the though, aren't they?
1: The player for me who shows it is. It was last season with Henri Savi, is that he came into the team West Ham mm-hmm. because he had no option, Benitez, but to bring Savvy in the team because he was so low on options. Comes in, yes, he made the mistake early on, scored the goal, and played quite well. I think it was overplayed how well he played, but. He Played reasonably well, he thought, and he was just never seen again. And the thing is, because Benitez has made his mind up about Henri Savé, he doesn't think Henri Savé is the sort of midfielder he wants. He isn't the more Diarme type, and he isn't quite John Joe Shelby either. He's mm. sort of a, a more, uh, he probably needs to be in a midfield three, a little bit protected, and he's just not a, not a Rafa Benitez player, and that's not going to change. Yeah. And that is just the way that he is a player. He's ruthless when he just doesn't, if they don't knock on half he wants then they're not part of his first team plans. I think there's a wider point about about Rafa at
2: Newcastle United that, that we very rarely talk about really because we get sidetracked into other issues really and I think the wider point about Rafa is that we've never really had been able to have kind of an accurate assessment of what Rafa would do with Newcastle and how the fans would how the fans would see what Rafa would do with Newcastle if he was back to a decent degree because I think actually you know while I think at the moment Rafa's got 100% support I think that it would be less than 100% if he was backed and if he got to put a Newcastle team that he wanted to be put out there, because I think a lot of Newcastle fans would say, oh, I'm not entirely sure about everything that Rafa does because some of the football can be a little bit functional at times. And I think that if, say the takeover had happened and he'd been given all the money he'd wanted, I think some Newcastle fans actually would have said, actually, you know, there are things about the way that Rafa manages Newcastle United that they're not sure about on the pitch. I mean. Um, but because he's never had the chance to do it, we'll never. I don't think we'll ever be able to have a, a, a really kind of like full debate about how good Rafa is as a manager. Now I happen to think that he's outstanding as a manager, and I, and I really think that if he was backed, he would bring, he would give Newcastle United success. But I do see it sometimes on a on a like the weekend. You know, there was a very much a kind of like the debate was this is you know oh that was terrible, but that's what happens when Mike Ashley doesn't back Newcastle. It's like. Yes, that's exactly right. I agree with that. But there was also a, an element of, did Rafa not get some things right on Saturday? And I think he didn't. As uh, Having done it pitch perfect against Spurs the week before and for most of the end of last season, from about January to the end of last season, I mean, that was a masterclass in football management from Rafa Benitez. And then they were brilliant against Spurs on the first day of the season. I actually thought against Cardiff, and it is a bit of a trend with Rafa going away to some of the teams that struggle in the Premier League they don't seem to play at the level that you should play and I wonder whether your point of them being a little bit cautious I wonder whether on Saturday there was a little bit of Rafa thinking we need to get something on the board here and if we go away to Cardiff and get a point it's not the worst thing in the world we just can't lose that game because I think he thinks I think then you'll see on Saturday it'll be a a Sunday a very very different Newcastle United and a better Newcastle to watch on Sunday I think than than the one that played on, on Saturday, um, I think they'll actually, you know, they could have. I don't know. You know it's going to be difficult on Saturday, on Sunday's week because Chelsea are a good team, but it'll be a much better game to watch than, than the week. And I think that's one of the things that about Rafa that sometimes this frustrating. me. Last season they went to a, they went away to a lot of the teams um, that I think they should have probably had a bit more of a go at, and they didn't. They didn't do a lot, did they? In those in those away games, okay, they beat Stoke and that was a great great result. Beat West Ham, great result, but Huddersfield early on in the season that was really disappointing and there was a few that where they went away it, it thought, tends to be the teams who you know are
1: going to be very are going to keep it tight defensively that Newcastle tend to struggle against when they went to the likes of Stoke and West Ham they were teams who mm. really thought that they were slightly better than yeah than this team they this were last year and it was played, spot. played expansive football Newcastle could get in behind them whereas if they go to a team who almost match the way Newcastle are going to play they don't this is what I was making the point about mm-hmm. Kennedy. They need Kennedy be, to be that player who makes a difference in those games because yeah. they haven't been able to do it. Burnley much. was
2: a great example last season, wasn't it? Where they went away and they played with so little ambition and that game was you know, there, there for the taking in some ways because Newcastle were actually in a decent run of form at the time and Burnley obviously had a great season last season but Newcastle were ahead of Burnley at the time and uh, they played with so little ambition that they were always on a bit of a hiding to nothing. And I felt like Saturday was a bit like that. They just didn't play with quite enough ambition for good the good players that they have. You know they do. Okay, they're never going to compete with the really great teams, and we watched Liverpool last last night. And, you know they've got a, a array of really good players, um, but Cardiff don't, and Newcastle could have probably. I mean, you saw in the last ten minutes they they outplayed Cardiff when they got the ball on the floor and started playing through them, and Cardiff started to to to, to get really nervous, and they and you know Cardiff I don't think. I think the Cardiff Cardiff at the end they celebrated that point like it was you know it was huge because of the way they got it off but I think they thought
0: they were going to lose that match uh, and they probably should have Newcastle probably should have taken it the some positive though so from Sam I mean Mutio came on and looked quite quite active quite energetic so you think he'll start against Chelsea, Chelsea do you think we'll start the same in the starting of 11
1: I'm not sure necessarily what Rafa's going to do because obviously he doesn't have Kennedy because he's unavailable so does he bring in like-for-like, like? someone like Jacob Murphy, who is waiting for his chance and I thought, looked alright, actually playing fullback but I thought he looked alright, Pacey, or Atsu, that would be the like-for-like like replacements he could bring in, or does he change things like, does he bring Muto in, play him off either Rondon or Hossolu, or have a almost like a front three and bring someone like Kane to midfield? it will be interesting because the way that Chelsea have changed their approach, Benitez knows Sarri very well. He knows how Sarri thinks because obviously he was at Napoli after Benitez and Benitez tracked that team closely because he kept making the point that most of those players were the players he signed <laughs> across in uh, in Naples. So you'll know the way Chelsea are going to approach it. I wouldn't be surprised I th- what I think has pressed me about Mudo is he brings and Benitez keeps saying this about him, he brings energy. He buzzes around a lot. I'm not necessarily sure that what we've seen of him so far is a fair reflection because he only came on for 10 minutes against Spurs and then the weekend he came on and Hayden got sent off almost instantaneously and he had to play in midfield almost, which isn't his position. But you can see he he's clever in his movement. He buzzes around a little bit. And I, I do think they need to change something. Look, the Cardiff game is Park, that was a one I don't expect Newcastle to be that bad again. I think they are a different team at St. James' Park. They're going to need no motivation this weekend. I would like to see Rondon in the team and I would probably at least one of Rondon or Muto if not both because I just think that Newcastle needs something a little bit different a couple of the players who were playing so well the end of last season aren't at the moment and I just think they need that added threat which I think Rondon would bring One of those players is Modi
0: who looked out of sorts against Spurs he even said after the game that he had a shocking first half I mean the second half wasn't much better against Cardiff again he didn't look like Modi Army of the last six months of last season he's probably going to start we imagine against Chelsea on Saturday he doesn't want to, to rip the team apart that quickly but he, he needs to. we need to see the, the, the army of old so to speak yeah I think um,
2: the, the question mark is isn't it which is the real no the army is it the first six months of last season or is it the last six months I suspect the truth is somewhere in between and um, you know the problem, with, the problem that you've got with the army is if you take him out of the team you lose that physicality and while he wasn't Brilliant on Saturday, Um, and I pointed that out on Twitter. And somebody, somebody made a—I can't remember exactly who it was—but somebody replied and said, "Actually, when they went down to ten men, he was giving the ball away, but his physicality and the the way that he played was actually key to Newcastle sort of staying in that game." And and he—he is, you know, he does have. I think the one thing you'd say about the army is that he doesn't, you know, he, he adds that sort of protective. Um, presence for Newcastle a little bit more and I, 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 think he'll, I think he'll stay in the team I think can we expect him to reach the levels that he did at the end of last season I think that's unrealistic for him to play at that level consistently because I don't think he's that good um, but he's in the team to give Shelby a bit of support isn't he as well and so if Shelby's playing well I thought Shelby played well on Saturday um, I got hammered for saying that by, by some people I thought he played well on Saturday
1: I thought he played well for the first 20-25 minutes I, I just thought there was and I thought he did in the last twenty twenty five. I thought there was a period in the middle where he lost his way a little bit, but Newcastle lost the way yeah, that was just... He, wasn't there he, he The frustration was he started dropping deep and then trying to ping those Hollywood passes. And when he kept it simple, when he was playing it along the floor, I thought he was very effective. And that's why I, I think he is getting better at that. I think he is improving. I just think that the, the chemistry just wasn't right on Saturday mm. for whatever reason. The approach, either mentally or the tactical approach I don't know exactly what it was but it didn't quite work I think it's different it'll be different at St James's Park I don't think they'll approach the game like that I don't think they'll go gung-ho at Chelsea but I think that Benitez will have seen what everyone else has seen from Chelsea on Saturday which is an attack that can be destructive but Arsenal could have scored 4 or 5 in the first half there are places you can exploit Benitez knows some of those players quite well from his time at Chelsea and there's still some players there and um, I think that He'll tr- try and change the balance somewhat. I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I do think there'll be a couple of changes, not just the enforced ones. Yeah, Newcastle's got
2: a good record against Chelsea at St James's
1: Park. They've not they've not
2: been beaten by them since twenty eleven. I was looking earlier today, that's start of the week. Um, but they're actually I think my one worry is that um Eden Hazard's probably gonna be back in the team, isn't he? And, and I mean he is just such a I mean probably one of the top five footballer in the in the world at the moment in terms of his his ability. And if they get unpicked once, then it's going to be difficult for them to get back into the game. Although they did it against Tottenham, but
1: um, he always plays well against Newcastle. Yeah, good, really
2: good player. I mean, I I went to the uh, Stanford Bridge game last year; it was the only away game I think I did last year, and uh, he made the difference. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding on his day. It's 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 big, but like you said, I think what's really what you know. Ironically, having said the start of the game, we think maybe Rafa didn't get it quite pitch perfect on Saturday. And you you know that on Sunday he's going to have a plan and you know that Newcastle, and I go into those games because Rafa Benitez is Newcastle manager, I go into the game on Sunday thinking they've got a chance and, you know, going back to the whole Rafa thing, that's why we think they've got a chance against a team like Chelsea because you think tactically he's going to get it absolutely spot on. You know that this will be one of those that he'll have spent the whole summer working on and, and uh, like you said you know, it's, it's almost like that's you know that, that's as interesting as anything else about Sunday is that he will have a plan for Chelsea and Sarri's going to face I think probably his biggest tactical test so far I mean they swept Huddersfield aside Arsenal Arsenal can't play like Newcastle can because they're such a big club that nobody would expect Arsenal to set up like Newcastle will probably set up on Sunday which will be a little bit counter-attack a little bit um, you know counter-punch and so it would be really interesting I mean Newcastle's Newcastle are always going to be more comfortable with Rafa when they haven't the, the onus is on them not to have too much possession Saturday was always going to be a problem I mean Cardiff went up last season with 59% possession on average across the season now uh, sorry 50, um, was 59%, 59% past completion, completion but it was less than 50% wasn't it and Newcastle 50% possession over the course of the season Newcastle are never very good when they have over 50% the possession if you look at the the stats they're generally really good when they haven't got much of the possession but they can but they, they use that possession really well and Saturday was always gonna be a problem because they just they almost had too much of the ball in some ways Cardiff were just Cardiff you know when they had the ball they were doing stuff with it when Newcastle had the ball they did it was almost like they didn't know what to do with it. So we'll see I think someday will be a totally different kind of game and one we could kind of look forward to they might nick something from it. I wouldn't be surprised if they get they give Chelsea much more of a game um, than um, Huddersfield than did Score prediction 1-0
1: Fish. 2-1 Newcastle that's the that we like um,
0: to finish off let's talk about TV because it, it's been quite a, uh, an interesting couple of weeks um, from the likes of Andy Gray yeah. Richard Keyes Dennis Wise yeah. seems to be getting rolled out at every opportunity and um, I mean, it's just it. It just seems bizarre because it's all about right having criticism of Benitez and having a defence of Mike Ashley. But I think it's fair to say that most of what has been said isn't correct. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think that's the. I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's re- it's really difficult for for Newcastle fans. I think this season, and and you know, I, I feel I really feel for for anybody who's. Who's paid for their season ticket this year? Some of whom, a fair proportion of Newcastle fans, who've had a massive um, hike in the, in the prices in you know in, in, in comparative terms, because they're looking at this season as um, you know it, what you need as a football fan is you need hope, right? And at the moment, I think for Newcastle fans, Newcastle United feels a bit hopeless because Rafa is just it feels like it's just counting down the clock until the end of the season and. You know, they, they are trying to do something about it. Okay, you know, the, you can argue about whether protesting outside Sports Direct is going to change Mike Ashley's mind. Now, I think personally think that doing something is much better than doing nothing. And I think that, you know, getting that message out to a wider audience is key for Newcastle fans. What is frustrating about listening to people like Dennis Wise, who has a cheek to talk about Newcastle United when he worked at the football club, and he brought nothing but absolute. I mean, he was incompetent at Newcastle United. What happened, what Dennis Wise did at Newcastle United resulted in a claim for wrongful dismissal that was won by Kevin Keegan. So, how he can sit there and talk about Newcastle United as if he knows and him and Mike Ashley know what's correct for the football club, it's absolute rubbish. He's responsible for alienating arguably one of the most important figures in the entire history of Newcastle United, now no longer wants anything to do with Newcastle United because of Dennis Wise. So why then he is seen as somebody who can go on TV to talk about Newcastle United? I would have him on TV to talk about Newcastle United to ask him, well, what did you do with Newcastle United? I would like to hear him pin down on that Issue not about what he thinks about what the protest is happening, or what he thinks about what Rafa Benitez thinks about Newcastle United because he, he showed his ignorance this weekend because he didn't address the issues that the supporters are bringing up. This is the problem, I think, with what's being said in some by some of these pundits they're simply not addressing the points that the fans are eloquently making. The supporters are not out asking for the team to be more competitive, they're asking for things to happen at Newcastle United. That can give them, as a supporter base, hope again. It's not about. It's not about trying to say that Newcastle United have a divine right to be in the top four. Now I'm talking to the com- preaching to the converted here. Everybody listening to this will agree with me, I'm sure, because you know they're the people that that are saying this. But they're not asking for a team. Not saying that Mike Ashley should invest in a team. That will, that will compete with Liverpool at the moment because they know that he doesn't have money. But not one of those pundits at the weekend addressed the fact that Mike Ashley, as far as we're aware, decided, because Mike, Rafa Benitez did not want to sign a new contract, decided that he wouldn't give him as much of a transfer budget as he would do if he'd have signed the contract. That's, you know, that is our understanding of it. Those are the, those are the good sources at the club have, have told us that. That is the issue, it's not about the nonsense that talks, you know, this stuff about, oh, if you're from the south, you don't get, you know, Newcastle fans will not take it. it, There are relevances. These are the things that are not important to Newcastle United, and that's what frustrated me about the weekend, about a bean sport panel convened by Richard Keyes, who, you know, was effectively trying, I think, to do exactly what he's done, which is to get us talking about a debate that they had but what frustrates me is there must be people at the Sports who are on the ball and switched on. Why did they not, at least they could have done some research by going to the Magpie group and saying, right, what questions do you think we should be asking about Newcastle United? Because unless they're trying to rile Newcastle fans or are giving a platform to people who want to defend Mike Ashley, if it's about the debate, as we often hear it is, why not represent what Newcastle United fans are saying? Just get somebody on to talk about it and if Dennis Wise and Sam Mallardyce and Richard Keyes and Andy Gray are so confident in their opinions, which they have been over the last two weeks, what would be the problem with them debating it with the Newcastle United fan? You know, I wouldn't presume to tell an Arsenal fan last season that they were wrong about Arsene Wenger because I didn't watch Newca- Arsenal all season. I don't know the situation at Arsenal because I don't cover Arsenal as a football club. But if I did have to have that debate, I would go and try and find out what was actually going on on the ground at Arsenal and try and formulate my own decision and then question the people in charge. What annoys me about the debate at the moment with Newcastle United is that there's a lack of homework. People see Newcastle United fans protesting and they automatically think, "Oh, it's Newcastle fans being unreasonable again. Look at the issues that they're talking about. Those are issues that are affecting a lot of football clubs at the moment. It's not just Newcastle United. There's a lot of this going on in the English game at the moment. What you need as a football fan is hope. You need to hope that somebody who who is in charge of your football club has its best interests at heart. A lot of Newcastle United fans at the moment think that Mike Ashley doesn't have their best interests at heart and think that Rafa Benitez does and that's why they're backing him. Not because Rafa Benitez is being impatient and wants £100 million spent on players to compete with the top four because no Newcastle United fan thinks that that's going to happen.
0: On the other side, Jamie Carragher, you know, speaks very uh, well about well, Rafa Benitez, Alan Shearer, also very critical of Mike Ashesh. So it does work both ways.
1: And um, What have you made of the Pundit's uh, comments over the last week, Chris? Uh, well, I agree with every point that, that, Doug, that uh, Mark's made. The only thing I would say is that I don't think people can get hysterical every time this happens because it's going to happen and it's just going to keep happening more if Newcastle fans rightly are questioning what is being said it will just make them. It almost seemed to me on Saturday as if it was set up because of the fact that last week uh, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray had said similar things and Dennis Wise had earlier in the summer that they knew if they got the, the three of them the together plus Sam Aldaise that it was going to get a reaction from Newcastle fans because they're rightly questioning what's being said but if you just react like that every time, I think that almost goes away from the issues actually at the Football Club and what the Newcastle fans can focus on actually trying to make a difference doing. Sky Sports, being sports, whoever, need to get people watching their programme, they need to get people talking about them, and they and it's got a reaction, albeit a negative one, from Newcastle fans. Newcastle fans, if they really do want, and as I, as I know they do, remove Mike Ashley and get him to, to sell up I think they need to focus their attentions elsewhere it just seems to me to be a lot of noise because then we get the likes of Jamie Carragher who does seem to understand the situation and then we're all praising him it's like yeah but that's great but it still isn't even Jamie Carragher saying that voicing that on air isn't going to change the situation that Is isn't Newcastle United I just think that the, the, it, the football has almost been forgotten in the last couple of weeks that's for me true. and I think that we just need to get back to, to that and just focus the transfer window is closed as far as we're aware, Ashley is not close to selling the football club. So, th- the what the Magpie Group are doing, what other people are doing in that regard, I think is is the way to go forward. If Newcastle fans want to do that, I wouldn't tell any Newcastle fan to protest if they don't want to. Um, but I think that movements are like that are the way forward. And pundit, it's all going to be noise. And the, and the way the way that the, the world that we live in at the moment, and we are part of that because we do. Uh, we do put out what has been said by Andy Gray and, and whoever because it does seem like a load of rubbish and we know Newcastle fans are going to disagree with it, but I just think that you can't just react like this every single day. You can't just get ignored by these these views which we all know aren't correct.
2: As, as much as I, I, do, I do agree with a lot of what you said there, Chris, I think that these groups, um, the Magpie group in particular, I think it's important that they correct stuff that's out there that's demonstrably false and i think that my concern with something like being sports is you know when if you do have a potential investor and they may be based in a, in a market that being sports um you know supplies it's important that people get an idea of what Newcastle united actually is rather than what sam allardyce and dennis wise believe it is because i think that
1: if, I don't. I don't think there's any. Gonna, I don't think there's anyone out there who's going to sit there and listen to that and think that but I if think I that listen to these three, yeah, this is exactly how Newcastle United is. I don't. I. I, I, just, I just. I just don't. But I don't buy that. I, I used
2: to. I used to work in a diff, I used to work in Wolverhampton, and I know that a lot of the people that I used to when I said I was coming to Newcastle, a lot of the people who lived in Wolverhampton would say to me, "Oh God, oh yeah, well they're always protesting. They're always out protesting, aren't they?" And it, and the reason for that is because the if a perception of a football club is put out there it is very very difficult to shake off don't we all now think because of the way that Arsenal fan TV portrays Arsenal fans that oh, Arsenal fans are always complaining that's not the case and I think that Newcastle fans need to if they're going to sell it if they're going to sell a football club they need to show that they need, they need to be aware of what they need to be aware of the perception of it and, and correct that perception which is why I thought stuff like war flags and Gallagate flags as it was was such an important thing at the football club because they showed what the football club could be and that's why Rafa's so important because he's a credible football figure who's there who gets the potential of Newcastle United and he's the first person under Mike Ashley for a long time who's come in and said I know what this football club can be and then you've got people like Wise and Allardyce and Peter Reid as well suggesting that the reason that, this, that the protests are happening is because Rafa has kicked off because he doesn't get what he needs and that I think I understand what you mean. Look no, but, we're all but, but, we're all paying their we're all pl- playing the to their tune, aren't we? We're all dancing to their tune because we're talking about it now. But I do think it's important that you that you correct it when it's wrong.
1: Although I see where you come from, if, if an investor Looked at Newcastle United, listened to those three, and just said, "I don't want to buy." It. I wouldn't want them to buy Newcastle United. I would, if I was a fan, I wouldn't want because if they haven't done their due diligence to go beyond that, if they haven't come and properly seen what the football club is like, if they're listening to the likes of Dennis Wise, to the likes of Sam Aldice sitting talking in a studio, when you can quite clearly tell from what they're saying that they're not connected to the situation at the moment, they're not on the ground in Newcastle, they're sitting in a studio, wherever it may be. I wouldn't want them to buy if, if that was my football club I wouldn't want them to buy that football club so I, I can see where you come from and I do agree that misinformation needs to be changed out there but I just I just think that all it's doing is add, is giving added add credence to it, and that next time they're just going to have the, the same sort of conversation again. We're going to come round in a circle. The issues are going to go away from football. They're going to go away from the actual problems that are at the football club. Because instead, we're going to be saying that all these people in the media th- at the very top, all these pundits, are saying the wrong thing. When actually, what we need to be doing is this is the situation in Newcastle. This is what we need to address. They can say what they want, and we need to focus on sorting that out. I do think.
2: Sorry, I don't want to go down side track too much, but I do think that. That we know that from our perspective in this building, that we know that the the kind of when supporters get organised and start to make valid points, we we you know I think it's different for us in a way because we listen to supporters anyway, even when it wasn't. But we know but I know that your editorial line can change based on if supporters get if supporters uh, come up with a very credible movement and it. It um, behaves in the way that the Magpie Group is doing, which is trying to be.
1: But the Magpie Group wasn't formed to be against Dennis Wise. No, I, mean, no, no, that, no, but, I no, think that's a sidetrack from it. I think it's trying to. I, I thought the movement initially, and I'm not saying that. Sorry, I'm not saying the Magpie Group has been sidetracked. I'm saying that 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 becomes the risk that could come along the line. Yeah,
2: but you could, but you can, you can apply enough pressure to media organisations to change the editorial line, or at least get them to consider another well, opinion. That, and I think that is no, where, I agree, there should be more balance,
1: but at the same time, do you, that, I don't it, think it's going to do change. Do you guys like.
2: think that... It It's Mike Ashley, it so. Mike Ashley when, when, well, when, it's, when it's portrayed on a... Like this, this was the next
0: question. Some people suggesting that over the last month, Mike Ashley has got a bit rattled. This is why we're seeing the likes of Dennis Rise appear a bit more on television. Do you, I mean, do you guys agree with that, or do you think it's just all kind of coincidental and it's all just, it is, it is what it is? I think that I, I don't
2: agree with the kind of portrayal of Mike Ashley as having this kind of like PR network of people who can plant um, pundits in different TV stations. But we know that he has good links with Sky because he's, he's appeared on there. So we know that there is, you know, there is maybe a chilling effect of what some people on Sky will say about, about Mike Ashley because because he, you know, or he certainly will. He, it's the one outlet, I think, that where his he does feel sometimes that he can say things to certain reporters and then they and then that appears you know we know that for example that when he tried to sell the club and it was it appeared on Sky didn't it? there was serious Chinese interest in the football club when uh, a time when as we subsequently found out that China was basically closing the doors down on, on outward investment so that was just not true That somebody was putting the message out there and I I think that you know I, I, is Mike actually rattled but we don't know I think that there has been, from speaking to people at the football club, the one thing that has um, really worried them is the idea that people who work for um, Keith Bishop's organisation and people who work at Sports Direct, they don't, you know, they're claiming that some of them are feeling intimidated uh, by by what's being said. And I think that, you know, I can understand that you just got to be really careful with with that level of, you know, look, I understand that pressur- pressurising individuals and organisations is you know is tempting but I think you have to keep it you know you have to keep it respectful on that level because I do agree with the football club on that. Is Mike Ashley rattled enough at Newcastle United? We don't know but we do know that last time there was a boycott that what followed after that was you know the biggest spend of the of their you know of their period wasn't it? They they went in with Stephen Cloud and spent a lot of money. So it's not true that it's totally ignored um but are they are they rolling out a, a group like a load of pundits to kind of roll back the message? I don't know. Jamie Carragher suggested that's what they were doing. But we've dealt with Keith well, we haven't dealt with Keith Bishop because we've never like, I've never personally taken a phone call from him, so I don't really know whether Keith Bishop's has that much sway in the media and that much sway in journalism to be able to go and tell people what to say. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's not my my impression of it is not that, but he may have he may have contacts at certain organisations that, but I don't. I don't think so. Chris probably knows a little bit better than me because you've, you're at the press conferences every week. I, I'm at some of them, and Keith Bishop sits in the back. And does
1: sometimes comes along to them. He, he wasn't there last Friday. He was there the Friday before. Didn't say anything. Uh, hasn't said anything to me or anything. He's come and shake, shaking everyone's hand. He's personable in that regard. But I've never had a
0: It is a bit strange. He just just sits there. The yeah, corner. he
1: just he just sits in the corner. Um, don't really know why. He sort of shakes his head sometimes when you ask a question, sort of nods, nods if, he, if, if he agrees, which is very rarely, but usually shakes his head when, when you're asking a question or making a point. Um, I've never taken a phone call from him. I don't have any sort of relationship like that with him. Um, I don't think the majority, certainly, of, of North based journalists do. I, I can't comment about anyone elsewhere in the country, but I don't think he is someone who's controlling exactly the messages that's out there um, I think Mike actually does have influence to a certain degree on, on things like that because um, the only thing that does annoy him is really national coverage yeah. we can we could write whatever we wanted there'd be certain things that would annoy him but in general he just doesn't he's not up here he doesn't focus on the local media but I know for a fact that when the accounts came out um belatedly in June uh, that he was annoyed because he didn't think there was enough coverage in the national papers and he didn't think that there was enough Acknowledgement in his view that he had put money in to bring the castle back up. Of course, the uh, petition
2: also seemed to get the yes. And what was interesting about that was where did the reply letter Where was it? Which newspaper did it go to? Well, it went to the Daily Mail. And like, you know, we're getting into real meta kind of arguments here. But if he wanted to respond to Chi, and he was really, why didn't he respond? A, why didn't he respond to her in a letter? You know, because he would have probably taken the moral high ground then, wouldn't he? B. Then why don't you come to some northeast journalists who know what's going on? Well, he didn't. He went to the biggest, probably the most high-profile sports journalist in the country from a national perspective, or second, maybe after Henry Winter, Martin Samuel, and that was a very much, I think, a a great example of what Mike Ashley's priority is in terms of media and in terms of PR, is making sure that the national agenda is on his side, that he wins over enough of the people who aren't Newcastle United fans to say, to get them to think Newcastle United fans are unreasonable. I I think that's my opinion, is what I think that sometimes it comes down to, is going on to um, Sky Sports before this, you know, and doing that big 10 year interview, you know, and knowing that you're not gonna get asked the questions that most Newcastle United fans are asking. Um, the really, you know, the ones that Newcastle United fans wanna know are the things about Sports Direct and, and why certain things happen and why certain things haven't happened because they're just not on a national level. People aren't asking at a national level why aren't Sports Direct paying for advertising, you know, those kind of things. They're not asking those questions nationally. So I think that that's where I think sometimes the PR is aimed at is like, we'll correct a few of the things You know, look, a big problem for Newcastle United at the moment is that I think that the club think that some of the things that are said about what they do are incorrect and they think they're they're false, but at the club level, rather than Ashley's level, they don't want to be seen to be knocking those things that Rafa says back because they a they don't want to annoy Rafa, they don't think they can win that battle. So I think that what tends to happen is that some of that stuff gets, we don't get the Newcastle United perspective on it. When we did, was the accounts, was the last time that they spoke about what what happened, what they, you know, where the financial situation is, and and it makes for a really difficult media, it makes for a very difficult uh, situation in terms of trying to get some truth, trying to find out what's actually happening, because I think that there is some things that Mike Ashley, people who, Represent Mike Ashley in the media, so Dennis Wises and some other in this world say that it's just totally disingenuous. But what we really need is the man himself to kind of set out a vision for Newcastle United and actually answer some questions. It'd be good if Lee Charnley could do it as well, but Lee Charnley can't answer all the questions. You know, I don't think Lee Charnley w- would lose anything by coming out and talking publicly because he, I think he said before, you know, that oh, I've, that he's given some of the opinion on what would happen. But the one question that I would like to know, that I would really like to know, is why did the club not back Rafa more in the transfer market? What did it have something to do with the fact that he wouldn't sign the new contract? That's the one question I think that is the most important question of Newcastle United at the moment because it will tell us so much about what the club's about and nobody's got close to answering that one. Well, you know, if Keith Bishop, if you're out there, mate, tell us, you know, we, can, we, can, we don't have to... We don't, have to say it's, we don't have to say it's Mike Ashley answering the question, but I would love to know what the thinking was behind that, because that to me was one of the most ruinous decisions that Newcastle United have made in the last 11 years, um, and that is, those are the kind of
0: questions that they should be answering. I mean, you, you were talking there how it seems to only get annoyed on national level, you agree with what Mark's saying there about where his priorities lie?
1: He did get annoyed on a
0: local level because they banned us and so
2: well, they, they do nope. get
0: annoyed about stuff
2: on a local level because we, we know that they, they do.
1: i I mean the represent that that was a, that's a slightly different I mean the representation of the way that he's seen to be running the football yeah, club is, is is the way that, that, that I mean because for him the focus is on his business and we saw that during the transfer deadline week when as far as I'm concerned, which is just my opinion, I don't even think it really registered on Mike Ashley's mind the Thursday, the 9th of August was transfer deadline day because the day after was when he completed the deal to say House of Fraser. That was where his focus was on that week. So I think that's pretty that <laughs> signed, signed, signed by whatever. Friday and Slip again. But um, that, that, that to me is where, is where his priorities lie. And, and so he, he, he tries to bring across the national media because he knows that's where he's going to get more and more exposure for Sports Direct or any of his other uh, companies. So I don't think that, that for him it, it matters as much how he's portrayed locally in Newcastle because he knows there's always going to be that element of fans who are never going to forgive him for the 11 years the two relegations countless other things that he's done incorrectly whereas on a national level he wants to try and protect his image as much as he can and that, that's why it bothers him and that's why I see where this theory conspiracy theory almost comes around that, that he's planting Dennis Wise and everyone else elsewhere and I know that they are feeding this this image as well but I, I don't think it's quite at that level even though I do think he hasn't influenced to a certain degree on certain areas the
2: presence of keith bishop at newcastle united is because keith bishop spins for mike ashley the club press office spins for newcastle united which is also well, they don't spin sorry i don't think they do actually spin they they represent newcastle united they field press inquiries keith bishop represents mike ashley doesn't he says on his website that he, he represents newcastle united but he represents mike ashley's newcastle united he represents he wouldn't you know he says he represents Newcastle United but he doesn't represent Rafa Benitez he doesn't you know he doesn't he's not trying to get across the idea that Rafa Benitez is right and that's why I think it's always difficult to have you know a press officer there or sort of a PR man there who is solely employed he's employed by Mike Ashley Mike Ashley owns half of his company it's a uh, you know it, it means that there's always going to be this that suspicion around it because it's like, well, why do you need somebody in there? If you're acting, if you're acting on behalf, if you want Newcastle United to be successful, why do you need somebody in there spinning, spinning on your behalf? And Keith they has been there for a long time. He was, he started representing Newcastle United before Alan Pardew, or just around the time that Pardew came in. I think that was his, it was even before then, I think. So he's been there a long time. It's, it's, you know, it, this isn't a new, Scenario with Keith Bishop—it's not new at all—and um, you know, it'd be nice if he could. He should never become part of the story, I don't think. If you're a, if you're a press, if you're a, if you're working in PR, you should never become the story yourself. And he has become the story himself because a lot of Newcastle United fans would like some clarity in what Keith Bishop's role is because they see him in the the um, press seats, they see him in the in the sorry in the seat, the uh, boardroom That's seat. We know that he. Um, last season was it, Chris. You might be able to tell, you might be able to totally correct me. With this Rafa was in the I think before the season started, wasn't it? Or well, at the start of the season before the transfer window ended, it was um, he. He was sort of talking to Keith, wasn't he? And Keith and Rafa and Justin Barnes, I think, were uh, had this meeting where it was basically like stop stop talking about the transfer window. We'll try and get you what you need. Just it's not helping you. Kind of saying this, but Keith Bishop was part of that conversation, I think. Yeah, I think it was. so you know, that's where, like, he's obviously got a fair amount of influence, and that's why a lot of Newcastle fans see him as as part of something that they need to kind of influence, you know, just do it in the right way and, and try and get answers from him in a different way. What I will say is there are people behind the scenes trying to get the communication lines back a little bit, and that is where, you know, when people kind of come onto us on Twitter sometimes and they say, you're not saying this, you're not saying that. And I kind of sometimes want to just say, look, right, just park it. There are things that are trying, we're trying to, you know, because I think communication is the only way at the moment. Like Chris said, we're not close to selling the club. So we need to get some sort of an idea of like, we need to try and get across to people, key people at the football club that look, fans will walk away if Rafa goes. Don't think that's an idle threat. It's not an idle threat. The football club will be in serious Serious decline if Rafa walks out, because I don't see anybody out there who's going to take the job on who's going to do as well for them. And you're almost trying to sort of trying to get the message across to people that this isn't a, another protest about Newcastle fans wanting to be in the top four. It is about trying to do the right thing for the fo- their football club. And you know there are people behind the scenes. I promise there are good people at Newcastle United who are trying to get that across to people high up. I, I, I promise you that's happening. And and I know that there are people in the protest movement or the protest movement who are trying to source bidders for the football club as well. So it's not just about what is being out there, and, and you know, and people say to me like, why don't the Chronicle just go in two footed totally and write liars on the front page of my like, Well, a that's actionable. There's no you know we have to be legally sound on everything we do. But but point number two is that you know, do you want us? you know, there were things at the time when we got banned, there wasn't any hope at all. At the moment there is there is the Rafa fact. There are other people that we know that are working within the football club who are trying to at least get the idea across to Mike Ashley that look, try and do something to get this man to sign a contract. So it's not the same situation as there is at other football clubs and You know, we want, my main thing at the moment is trying to get somebody at the football club to answer these questions that Newcastle United fans have. And all we can do by that is to try and work the channels that we know and try and emphasise to people that this is a constructive dialogue and the Magpie group want a constructive dialogue. They want to start opening up the channels of dialogue. I don't think that Mike Ashley can ever preside over a successful Newcastle United. I don't know what, the other, that's what everybody else thinks about that, but I don't think you ever can. But in the meantime, just don't ruin it. And at the moment we're heading to a path in the summer where it's gonna get ruined. And it feels like, like Chris said earlier, this season we have already spent more time talking about pundits and takeover and transfers than we have about the football. And it feels like another season's gonna get wasted talking about all of those things rather than the football. So we just need, I'd want to get it to a, to a place where we can actually get some answers. And at least then we can have an idea of what Mike Ashley is actually doing. Is do they want Rafa to stay? I don't no. know. I think they did at one point, but I'm not sure, so
0: sure at the moment that they do. And just the final question: the question we will ask every week
1: until we get an answer is: Do we know what Justin Barnes does yet? Uh, officially, no. I mean, we've said before that that we know he's he's a with a key influence uh, up above at Newcastle United. He is. Um, certainly was brought in around the time around the January 2017-ish window it was midway through Newcastle Championship season it was around about that time that suddenly Rafa Benitez uh, yeah. the noises changed in that window when he thought he was going to be backed and get the likes of Andros Townsend and didn't happen so it seemed at that stage that he was ready in for Newcastle, Newcastle United for a sale we know the club still officially for sale but it seems that bonds Bond are still there but I think his influence is not quite he's not quite as direct and hands-on as he was before, but his position has still not been uh, disclosed by the club. He hasn't been officially recognised as, a, as a, an employee. If he indeed is an employee, he might be like Keith Bishop and Mike Ashley employees. It's a employee. consultancy, isn't it? I think, yeah. he's, I think
2: he's he's. almost there as a consultant. consultant as well, yeah. yeah, but who's paid? So, Newcastle, presumably a pain in there. Well,
1: don't we don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, Rafa has name checked him when we were sat down with him in the summer. It was the first time he'd done it. He'd never mentioned him. Uh, in, in terms of in a public press conference before and he, he did mention, he said he sat down with, with Mike Ashley with Justin Barnes and Malay Charney which tells you all you need to know about the influence Justin Barnes has but in terms of are we any closer to, to maybe speaking to Justin Barnes or find out exactly what his position is in official capacity no I don't think we necessarily are but we would very much like to if he's listening to this and he would like to come and speak then we would very much like to ask certain questions about what's going on in Newcastle and maybe he can give us some idea of the questions we've already Highlighted before. Fingers crossed. Of course, that invite goes out to any of the, the pundits we mentioned
0: there course, as well. Yeah. I'd, I, I mean, you know, you'd love to sit down with with
2: Dennis Wise or Sam Allardyce or any anybody of that ilk, and, and just you know, say to them, right, well, here's the situation that we think of Newcastle. United. What do you make of? Don't don't ask them the same questions about Newcastle United and expectancy of fans because they'll give the same answer. But ask them, well, you know, you say this about Mike actually. But, but, this is the reality of. Oh my gosh, say it, so. I'd, we'd love to. We'd love to to sort of correct things one way or time. But there are a lot of people out there. Newcastle United fans should know that there. I think there are a lot of people. I think there are a lot more people now than there was ten years ago when the Kevin Keegan thing um, blew up. I think there are a lot more people now who kind of would say themselves that they wouldn't want Mike Ashley to be their their owner. Um, whereas maybe ten years ago. It was oh well Mike Ashley's the vi- another victim of everything that goes on at Newcastle now I think people can see and that's largely because Rafa's there I think because people kind of give Rafa has credibility doesn't he and when Rafa's kind of saying that Mike Ashley's not doing things right I think there are a lot more people who stand up and say well okay Rafa does like his politics but he's also knows what he's doing he's worked at a lot of different football clubs and you know, I think the tragedy of it is he was coming to Newcastle prepared to sort of lay down that image of a politician, but he's, um, you know, because he didn't complain, did he, the first summer? I mean, he got everything he needed, didn't he? But um, he was all right that first January, even. though no, He wasn't happy, but he was, you know, he kind of accepted where, where they were. It was only the last two windows, the last three windows, I think, where he's felt something's not right here, there's a rabbit away, I'm not getting what I wanted, do they really want me to stay? And that's what he, that's probably what he feels at the moment. Do they, are they really do they really want me here? That's the question he's probably asking himself at the moment. Do they want a Steve Bruce or a somebody like that who they know probably would be desperate for the job who would come in and probably do it under the terms that they they ask, rather than Rafa who will push them to to change the way that they think rather than try and work within the remit that they've got, which is what they've had previously, isn't it? Chris did it? Chris Hume did it. Um, Pargie did it. Carver did it, uh, McLaren did it, you know, a lot of people out there will do it and it got them relegated twice, so, you know,
0: there you yeah. go. But um, in the meantime, uh, you can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep to date with all the latest Cast Night News, um, we'll bring you live coverage of the Chelsea game on Sunday and obviously wrap up press conference on Friday, um, enjoy the rest of the week, thank you very much for joining us.